you ask, what is our aim? I can answer in one word, victory. Victory at all costs. Victory in spite of all terror. Victory however long and hard the road may be. For without victory there is no survival. Now, we are the masters of our faith. My name is Rick Napier, the CEO at Real People USA and Real People USA. We help candidates with campaign activities, fundraising, coaching, and and strategies. And our motto is work hard, work smart, have a strategy, and communicate often. So today, we're going to exercise the communicate often part, and we're going to feature Carla Black, who has been a guest at least three or four times. And Carla is a Californian Republican candidate for District 6, which is my district. So I'm so happy that I get to vote for someone that I know and someone that I've met and someone that I really want to vote for instead of all these unknown candidates that never even communicate. They they don't communicate at all. So, Carla, how are you doing this afternoon? Hi, Rick. I'm doing good. Thanks for having me again on your show. Um, yeah, today is Wednesday, the 25th, and today's a good day. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing fine, and I know we have five plus seven or six plus seven days before the primary here in, in, in California, and a friend of mine was shocked that California has their primary this early. Not because other states, well, some states have it already, and I know in Florida, their primary is in August. Uh, August 23rd so there's about uh, like I said six six plus seven 13 12 or 13 more days before Californians elect Carla you know I think you have a great shot a lot of people are are talking about you you've been on the air uh, twice here in Sacramento please talk about your experience going on 97.5 KDEE by the way that is a, a urban African-American station that's been in Sacramento for about, I want to say about six to eight years. And uh, I used to, um, so someone else is calling in. Let's see here. Yeah, so um, please talk about experience. And by the way, if you just called in and you want to say something uh, about Carla and, and talk about how you like her so much, I see you. So all you have to do is say hello and then I'll uh, we'll pause and let you come in and talk and say what you, how you feel about Carla. So, Carla, please uh, describe what, what that was like going on 97.5. Um, well, everyone was extremely friendly. Um, everyone in the studio was friendly. Um, and, yeah, like you were saying, it's a, it's a black-owned uh, radio station. And I spoke to Lee Perkins, who um, I guess is a legend in himself in the Sacramento area, and then Baxter Canterbury, um, who is also, you know, like a, a a basketball big time legend. He said his name was on uh, the Nike before Michael Jordan's was back in 1978. So that's pretty cool to to be talking to um, people in the area who who love our community, who know the area, uh, and who stay in the area. Um, Lee Perkins was explaining to me prior before we went on air. Um, that the, the foundation that KDEE has is a strong foundation. 
Um, and they're not as well known as most radio stations, but it's their strong foundation that has kept them alive and that the listeners are loyal listeners and they trust KDEE. And so um, them having me on the show was a was a great honor. And it um, it made me feel good because I'm, I'm a part of Sacramento. I've been I'm born and raised in Sacramento and uh, to be a part of a radio show. And they were very nice. Um, very inviting and he invited me back on the show he said I always had a home there so that was a good experience um, definitely we'll be going back on there to talk with those gentlemen mm-hmm. well I know your, your your personality and communication style is inviting uh, those are some qualities that don't exist uh, just in general in the public but as a political candidate you have uh, you're on the, the the maximum side of that spectrum because many candidates, uh, you know, gosh, I mean, they, they can't even they can't even get paint to respond, you know, to, to them. But you, you have a great uh, way of of, of um, opening up yourself and and inviting people to communicate with you. In fact, I would like to say that you almost uh, motivate or, for lack of a better word, force people to communicate because. You got game, as they say. You got game. You don't, you don't, uh, the things that you believe in, Carla, you don't keep those to yourself. You're not, you know, kind of introverted in that respect. You tell people that the reason why you're running for for Congress is because you are afraid. You are fr- afraid for yourself, afraid for your, your, your children, afraid for your community, and afraid for your country. And please talk about that a little bit because that has always stuck with me when you said it the first time. Right, yeah. So I am saying that it, what is, because people ask me, you know, they often ask me what's the driving force, what motivated me to run, um, this kind of thing. And you always do kind of want to know what someone's story is or what actually put the fire, you know, underneath their butt to get them going. Um, And mine, um, I like to say that mine was uh, fear, and it was fear of watching what was happening to my country over the decade. Uh, but then more recently in 2016, 17, 18, and then ultimately um, what was taking place in our country in 2020 that had really scared me in terms of what path our, our country is going down and the future that uh, my son will or won't have. And will he have a childhood like I had? Um, and so those things and, and just the genuine care, knowing that uh, this is the great American experiment, knowing that we're the youngest nation in the world and also the most prosperous, richest, wealthiest, strongest nation in the world, um, we're, the, we're the shining light on top of the hill for other, other uh, country, other countrymen, I guess, in other countries, I guess, if you could say that. Um, because there's hope. They look at America and there's hope for them when, you know, they're living under like a, maybe a communist regime like in China um, or in a different state, maybe a government that is a corrupt government that doesn't have the citizens' best interests in there. Everyone's living in poverty. To know that somewhere like America exists where you can come here and sort of lift yourself up by your bootstraps and be successful uh, and b- become wealthy and have and be a, have property and own things which some country governments don't allow citizens to have or own private property 
Um, and so maintaining that status, pretty much maintaining that uh, that we are the free world and we will always be the free world. Um, but we have to protect it. We have to protect it. And what we've seen happening is there has been no protection. We've seen little action uh, by Republicans in Washington, and we've seen a lot of anti-American policies being instituted under the guise of COVID uh, still, even though COVID was two years ago and there's no emergency pandemic right now. Um, they like to fear us into a lot of things like this monkey pox. I think that there were a couple cases in um, the UK and there are, I think, a couple cases here in the USA. Um, I think that there were a couple cases in uh, New York a couple cases in Israel. Um, so, and nobody's died from this uh, monkeypox. And the fear that the media is just going, they're going after this, like, <laughs> I don't know, like it's the new COVID or the new pandemic or, you know, orange is the new black type of thing. <laughs> they're going after this monkeypox thing and trying to fear everyone into uh, this type of hysteria that they did back in 2020. Um, but yet there haven't been any deaths associated to it. And we have fentanyl pouring over our southern border. Our southern border is open to the cartels. And uh, the it's over 100,000 Americans so far since Biden's been in office that this fentanyl has been pouring over 100,000 deaths. Sorry, 100,000 deaths of Americans, but yet we're talking about monkeypox. Is like you can't turn on the radio or turn on the television without hearing about monkeypox, but you don't hear about the the youth suicide rate is at an all-time high, and you don't hear about Americans dying at um, skyrocketing rates from fentanyl. Um, so it's really discouraging. Um, yeah. I know yeah. I kind of segued into monkeypox, so I figured I might as well talk about it. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. And uh, caller, last the number is 3524. Would you like to add some comments or ask uh, Carla a question? Do you have any questions for Carla? Would like to say something on, on her behalf? Uh, sure, Carla. Hi, my name is Stacy. I was, I had a question regarding, um, what do you think about the gun violence, like with the school shootings that just happened recently? What do you think is the correct way to deal with things like that? Uh, it's not really local, but it's just in my mind. Right. Yeah, that's um, that is local because we Sacramento just had a mass shooting, you know, a few weeks ago. So Actually, it's most definitely right. local. Um, anyway. But the so, so what? That's a great question. Thanks for asking. Um, I think that. Uh, we need to get serious about mental health and red flag associated um, to individuals. I think these last two, this Buffalo shooting in New York and then this one uh, in Texas, they were both 18 years old, um, obtained a firearm. Uh, I know that a lot of, like, this is almost Christmas time for Democrats because they love to talk about um, metal objects instead of criminals. They like to blame our guns because their goal is to take away our guns. And if you look at what what's happened in other countries where the citizens surrender their firearms to the government, 
Uh, you can look at Mao in China. You can look in what happened in Russia, what happened in Germany, what happened in Uganda. They all surrendered their firearms to the government. And what happened? The government slaughtered the people. Mao genocide like 20, 20 million people. Like it's it's crazy. And then you have the Nazis, obviously, who genocide the the Jews. And so it's it, the, there, it's the re, the reason why the gun rights and the the um, the right to bear arms is the Second Amendment is because it's if the First Amendment is ever taken, then it's automatically the Second. And the Second Amendment specifically says. Um, This is for government. This is to arm the people, to have a well-regulated militia. Uh, And so it's no surprise that we have government, politicians, uh, government officials trying to take away the guns of Americans by way of these tragic mass shootings. And I think it's unfortunate, but I was reading something um, really fast. I was reading something online and they made the comparison about the $40 billion that we just gave to Ukraine. And But previously we've given like three, a month ago we gave them $33 billion. And then prior to that, like since this administration, administration has started, we've given them, um, I, can't, I can't remember the amount, but we've given them a significant amount of our money. But just the forty billion that we recently sent over to Ukraine, and they had done the math with they took the amount of elementary schools in the United States and they multiplied that by two hundred and fifty thousand dollars because that's what it would take to arm a security team for all of our elementary schools, and it was like thirty-two billion. And so for thirty-two billion dollars, we could protect our elementary schools and our teachers, but we're sending massive amounts of billions of dollars over to the uh, a money laundering state, the second most corrupt country in Europe. We're sending it to Ukraine, where Biden has financial ties uh, over there. So does Nancy Pelosi, Mitt Romney, John Kerry's son. They all have financial ties in Ukraine. And it's known to the State Department as a money laundering state. And here we are having these mass shootings and baby formula shortages. high gas prices. I mean, the list goes on. And so this is definitely, this administration is definitely not an American first administration. It's very scary. Um, I'm, I for one am for having teachers being armed and trained properly uh, with gun safety um, on campus. And I'm also for an armed, um, armed people just in general, like regular average everyday citizens, because there are instances where in a church that a max shooter comes in and is stopped by someone else who has a, a firearm. So I don't think the answer is to eliminate guns, and that's a very dangerous road to walk on, especially when government's involved, because government has no business trying to take away our guns, and history proves that. Yeah, exactly. And, if, and I mean, history, you mentioned some countries and some historical uh, you know, points with Mao and, and, and the Nazis, but we can go just about 10 years ago, we can look at the country or the continent of Australia. Australia uh, gave all their guns away about, think like 10 to 15 years ago. So then when the COVID lockdowns came and the people were talking about, we're not gonna do it, the government knew that the public had no guns. And that's why today Australia is one foot into communism, Australia. 
places like Sydney, places like uh, Melbourne. My wife's first cousin lives in Perth, Australia, because he played he played football, you know, in the Marines. And uh, he he, he married he married a woman that was from uh, New Zealand and they live in Perth, Australia. My son went and played football at Mesa Verde High School in Citrus Heights. His best friend went to Australia to play football. So now we have a country that was kind of like everybody wants to go to Australia. You want to go to Sydney. You want to go to Melbourne. You want to go to the Northwest Territories uh, in, in Australia. And now that country is one foot into communism and lockdowns where you can't go outside. You can't, you know, you have a, you can only go to the store a certain time of the day. You know, so that's that's just ridiculous. And you're right, Carla. And, and, and Carla, thanks for that question, because, you know, uh, th- this thing has to fix itself or I, I do believe the people I don't think the people will, will tolerate this uh, much longer so but let's move on to uh, this um, this subject about I mean I know this is a top concern for you it's a top concern for a lot of Republican candidates because it seems like we run we run in these races and you know the the the, the, the excitement is high I remember Travis Allen was running in in 2018 for governor, and then John Cox flies from Illinois, a nobody, <laughs> a, a milk toast uh, person. That's a, he's a he's a multimillionaire and he does business in Illinois, but I guess he has some type of dual residency in California. He flies out, getting gets in the race, does one video in San Francisco and North Beach, and kicks. Uh, Travis Allen, I call him, I call him little Donald Trump out of the race. What are your concerns <laughs> about uh, election, about this, this election process? And what ideas do you have that could help California voters feel more confident that their, that their one vote will be one vote instead of their one vote being 0.2? Right. Um, yeah, I think uh, with the 2020 election and we saw a lot of irregular, irregular irregularities, I always, <laughs> that one always gets me. Anyways, we saw a lot of irregularities happening like in Wisconsin, uh, Michigan, and then we saw everyone stopped counting at 3 a.m. exactly. Um, and then uh, like a water broke in Pennsylvania, one of the voting, uh, the counting places. Just a lot of weird stuff. And then we saw that huge Biden, uh, everybody went to sleep knowing that Trump was up. And uh, then we saw a huge spike for Biden and none for Trump. And and then you have Mike Lindell's uh, cyber symphonium. We have election integrity, uh, California, who has a who's in current litigation right now with the state of California for for several different violations that judges have previously told California we had to clean up our, our voter rolls. Uh, we have people on the voter rolls here that are born in 1901, um, and then we have the 2000 Mules that just came out, the documentary by Dinesh D'Souza. Um, and, and I'm sure I'm missing stuff all in between, but there's a lot of evidence to show that we're in pretty big trouble in terms of our election integrity because there is none. There's so many places um, where fraud can happen. And here, especially in California, we have ballot harvesting that's illegal. 
Um, you can bring in a duffel bag of ballots and nobody and drop them off and nobody will question you where you got them, where they come from, are they valid? Um, so that's really scary uh, because we saw in Arizona that Trump lost to Biden on a, on a 10,000 10,000 uh, vote margin. And so if you have a few still a few people from a few areas bringing in duffel bags of ballots, you know, an, an election can easily be swayed. Um, and so election integrity is extremely important. And I was a part of the recall, uh, the Gavin Newsom recall. I was a poll watcher uh, for election integrity, California. And it was just kind of kind of surreal to see the process happening in real time. Um, I remember when it was 8 p.m. when the, the polls closed, but there were still people in line. Uh, there were still cars in line at the at Sacramento Voter and Elections Office, and there were still people pulling out duffel bags worth of ballots, mm. and they called the election for Gavin Newsom. And so that was really frustrating because you know that some people hadn't even voted. You know what I mean? If you were in line, you were still able to vote. But to have the media call the election for Gavin Newsom, and you know that there's thousands of ballots that still haven't been counted, there's no way that these ballots have been counted and it would probably have been another couple hours before all the ballots uh, would have been counted. And so um, election integrity is really important because I won't be able to win uh, a race without election integrity. And then you can look at Dominion voting machines and how you can um, change the vote. You can change the person's party preference. Um, it's not supposed to be hooked up to the internet, but we found that some may have been during the 2020 election, uh, which leaves room, you know, anybody can tap into the system from a different country and alter the votes. And so the machinery is extremely important. And what I would advocate for is we get rid of the electronic system. It's only been proven to given us more problems. I don't know if you heard about this, but in the recall, there are a lot of people who showed up to vote in the Gavin Newsom recall and they were turned away because they they were told that they had already voted and it was because the electronic system that they were using they were using the electronic uh voting voting roll as opposed to the paper voter roll um so a lot of inconsistencies a lot of room for error and fraud and uh to happen um and so I would I would advocate for us getting rid of completely the, the electronic system and that there is only one day to vote and voting happens on that one day it's a paid holiday off you don't have to work you have all day to show up at the polls and vote voting happens in one day and then we get our results in one day and and mm -hmm. ballots are hand counted ballots and so this way it eliminates any any room for error and this this idea of, of not having your ballot counted until three or four weeks after the election is what we saw in 2020. It's just, it's not that America can do better. That I mean, there's third world countries or even countries, second world countries who have elections and they get the results that day. Um, we can do better. We're a first world country. We're the leader of the free world. Uh, mm -hmm. And we need to really act like it to... to um, and so to ensure this, um, one way on a smaller local scale could be if, if uh, you have any doubt or even if you don't have any doubt, let's just say you want to run an exercise. Well, what we could do for this election in, in November 2022 
Um, you can look at District 6, for example, my district where I'm running as a candidate for Congress. And you can, let's say it's, it's me and Ami Barra who are on the ballot for the November election. And it's, it, the election happens, November 8th comes and goes, and there's still no results. And maybe it's like a week later. And let's just say they call it for Ami Barra. And so what I can do, because I'm also a, I'm a voter as well, I can request um, for an audit. I think I have I have to request not an audit, but for a, a recount. <clears throat> I can request anybody can request a recount. By the way, it's in California law. Uh, I think we have five or ten days to request it after the election. And I actually did this for 2020. Um, and the only thing that you would have to do, you would have to fund the count, the recount, and you can request a recount by hand, or you can request request a recount, you know, with the electronical system. But obviously, we don't want to use the machines; we want to hand count. Um, and so, I think you're required to pay a certain percentage of the people who are going to do the recount. You have to pay a percentage of their like wages um, to get it done. Anyway, so it is possible. Um, so you could also, there is another way. If you go to the Sacramento um, Voter and Elections website, it lets you see precinct by precinct. So in, within the district, there's it's sectioned maybe into like, how many would you say? Maybe like, I can't think off the top of my head, but let's just say it's District 6 is separated into 400 precincts. And within a precinct is like a block by block um radius and in that there's maybe a hundred voters and so they'll tell you in this precinct number one two three that there were a hundred voters and 90 voters voted and here's who they voted for and they'll tell you whether they voted for me or Ami Barra. and so what i can do is i can go exactly to those addresses in person and i can knock door to door and i can ask them um, you know, identify myself and say, hey, I'm doing um, kind of like our own audit or just a survey on who you voted for. Did you vote for Ami Barra or Carla Black? And then I would just tally that and I would go house to house within that precinct and I would talk to those 100 voters. And as long as what I was told by those 100 voters matched what the Voter and Elections Office in Sacramento had on their website, that's the that's the best way to verify to compare um, if your vote was counted properly and it went to the right candidate or went to the person you voted for. And that's another way we can hold the the voter and elections office accountable because if we get a group of us that to go door to door precinct by precinct, and we wouldn't have to do the whole district, we could just do half the district and see what we came up with. Um, I think if there were enough inconsistencies, we could definitely hold. Uh, the voter and elections office accountable for the machines that they're using. And I think that that would, you know, it would have to go to court and we could ultimately have a recount or a re, uh, another vote or another election in that area, depending on how widespread um, the fraud is. Or but someone can go to jail. <laughs> <laughs> someone yeah. can go to jail. You mentioned, you mentioned uh, other countries. I was in Mexico about four years ago when they have their they had their national election for president. And you're right. Mexico had one day that you voted. And on that one day, nobody went to work. People were in line in Cabo voting and they had the results within the next day or two. That's in Mexico. Yeah. 
paper. Right. I mean, it was it was it was no online voting. It was, you know, you get your ballot when you walk up to the voting uh, place and you make your mark about who you want uh, for president, and that's it. And they knew within like 24, 48 hours who won. And that's in Mexico. Right. So then we so, have no, there's no reason why we can't do that here in the United States. Yeah. So we know they are cheating or we suspect them. Let me, let me, let me say it this way. We suspect them of cheating. And the fact that uh, you mentioned um, before we started our broadcast that you saw numbers where 100% of people voted and in some cases 120% of eligible voters voted that's that, that that's that's no bueno that's 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 just impossible unless there's some type of right. uh, voting in uh, discrepancy right and that that's uh, i in some of these election um, these election fraud cases that i've been following you know since 2020 they've also have said that too so what you can do is you can again you can go to the voter sacramento voter and elections website and you select your district and then it'll give you the precinct um so if you're looking at 2020 i can go to precinct one two three and i can see that within this precinct there were 10 registered voters and then it should say something like out of the 10 registered voters um five people voted um and and that would be normal like 50 percent turnout that would be normal um but when you get a hundred percent turnout, which means ten out of ten registered voters, um, all ten voted, um, that that could that could happen, but it's not as common. Um, and so when you see that a hundred percent of a precinct has voted, or if you see a hundred percent, a hundred and ten percent, a hundred and twenty percent in one precinct has voted, that means that there are too many votes casted. And there weren't enough voters in that area. Um, so maybe it was 10 registered voters and 12 people voted. And that's where you get that 120 percent uh, voter turnout, voter. Uh, yeah, voter turnout. Um, so so just I in that that, in fact, did happen in um, District 6 of 2020. I know the lines have been redrawn for the district, but I was doing that. I exported uh that into an Excel file, and I was going just back and forth um, through hundreds of precincts, um, and I found that uh, there were a few times where 100% or even 110 and 120% of people voted. I think I found one that there was one registered voter in a precinct, just one, but there were three votes that were casted in that precinct. So just stuff like that. And that stuff can add up quick. Again, that's just me doing District 6. And that's in, in within the district, you know, there could be up to a thousand precincts in one district. And so it, add, it can add up. It can definitely sway an election, um, even even if it's uh, a glitch in the system or even if it's the person who inputted the information, you know, messed up. We understand human error, operator error. But that stuff does add up. And we need to just take a closer look at it. And and we do have ways to fight back. And so that would be one of the ways to fight back. Interesting. Okay, Carla, well, I, w- I want to uh, close out by you giving your information uh, to our listeners. And I want to encourage uh, listeners to please support Carla. I believe 
and we talked about this a little bit and and I'll give people the light version right now is that you know voting is a right uh, and it's uh, something that we really need to focus on right now but at the same time you know people are uh, you know putting their lives on hold they're you're rearranging their schedules they're they're taking time off of work they're spending their entire weekends fighting for the citizens of district six so I'm just asking you know citizens of district six which is a lot of a lot of communities here you know uh, please support Carla because Carla is really not she's just a messenger uh, voters you are the message so if you are not happy with what you see going on here in California and in district six and you want to sit sit at the tables and sit at the coffee shops and and talk about and 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 whine and moan about the problem well Carla is the is the messenger so take your message take your donations email Carla donate to Carla so she can take your message to Congress so she can win and and carry your message forward so that we can fix these problems that we have in our country so Carla please close us out and I want to thank you for being a guest on the real people USA podcast Thanks, Rick. I appreciate that. And I appreciate your platform that it even exists in order to give me and people like me an opportunity um, to get out there and have a voice and be heard. So I do appreciate you. Um, but my website is blackforcongress2022.com. Um, and again, you can go there and you can see um, more of my platform. I talk a little bit about where I'm from and the policies that I will vote for and that I am running on. Um, again, that's blackforcongress2022.com. And I think it's about 13 days until the election, June 7th. Make sure you vote in person. I know in California, we got our ballots mailed to us. Just keep that with you when you go, just in case they try to turn you away like they did during the recall and say that you've already voted. You can uh, pull that out and say, actually, no, you haven't. Um, but you don't need to bring it, you don't need to, you know, show it to anybody when you get there. It's, that's just a precaution, just in case if you get there, if they tell you you've already voted, you can pull out your ballot and say you haven't. But voting in person is the best and the safest way to vote. Um, and right now we need the safest way to vote, especially here in California. Um, and yep, running for District 6, that's Real Linda, Alberta, North Highlands, Arden Arcade, Antelope, Citrus Heights, Rancho, Mather, Rosemont. Uh, I think I got it all. Foothill Farms? Carmichael, Fair Oaks, Foothill Farms, yeah. So all mm -hmm. that area, that's Congressional District 6, and it's Carla Black for Congress. All righty. So Carla, take care. And again, her website is Black for Congress 2022. Uh, put like like one of the uh, candidates said in the past, put something in the tip jar. And uh, so let's uh, see <laughs> Carla uh, move to victory. Take care, Carla, and make it a great day. Thanks, Rick. You take care also.